Did I tell you to stay tuned to the second hour? Did I ever? Because this is where the show goes into... Well, it goes from fifth to fourth into third because we are really pushing, pushing the gears now. We have an amazing guest here in the studio. Good afternoon. This is Johnny Gould here on Talk TV because we are now going to discuss counterintuitively how peace in the Middle East is in our grasp. You heard me correctly. If you were listening to the media and watching the media, you would be fooled into thinking that a conflict between Jew and Arab, between Israelis and Arabs, between Israelis and Palestinians is decades, maybe even centuries away. But there's something that we're about to reveal here on Talk TV that some of you may know already, which is there are two conflicts. There's the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, which is raging uh, in Gaza and to a certain extent in the north as well, in Lebanon and across Judea and Samaria, also known as the West Bank. But there is also the Israeli-Arab conflict, which is nearing solution and it may actually nearly be over. And to illustrate that is a very special guest who's become a dear friend of ours. We touched on it with Donald Trump in the previous hour because, as I mentioned to Joe Phillips, the Abraham Accords was the greatest act of peace between Jew and Arab probably for centuries. It's better than the one with Jordan. It's better than the one with Egypt. The Abraham Accords is a warm relationship, and it's to, to prove that, my guest here in the studio is a Saudi-born Emirati by the name of Lo'ay al-Sharif. Welcome, sir. Welcome. Uh, thank you so much, John. I was going to say, welcome, John. Thank you so welcome much, John. It's your show now. Thank you so much. It's your show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Since we're speaking about the Abraham Accords, uh, we have to give the credit to the ones who did it. And yes, please. The Abraham Accords wouldn't have been a good success if it wasn't for the president of the UAE, Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed, and of course the president of the United States of America, Donald Trump, and the leadership of, uh, of Israel at that time, uh, the prime minister of that time, Benjamin Netanyahu. Indeed, men of great courage and bravery. And we'll say those names, Sheikh bin Zayed and President Trump and President Net uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu because these guys in this country and around the world get pelters, they get shouted at. But actually, if you look at these things counterintuitively, it's the reason you and I are sitting here as friends with such warmth exactly it's and so simple to understand and that's what i want to try and dedicate this this segment of the program to and and i i totally agree with you and also don't forget uh, because of the abraham accords lots of israelis are in the uee the jewish community is thriving and i don't want to brag about it but the uee is the safest country in the middle east for jews or in the arab uh, in, in among the arab countries and in gulf for the jewish people to be in Safer than lots of countries in Europe, to be very honest with you, Johnny. Yeah, I mean, if you are a Jewish person and you are confronted by a pro-Palestinian protest, be that in Brighton or in London or across the country, you would be careful to disguise your identity. We have seen it on social media. Whereas in the UAE, and I have experienced this myself, I have had open dialogue in the UAE as both a Westerner and as a Jewish person, with my fellow Arab brother and sister, and I say that with absolutely 
uh, no reservation whatsoever. Can you please explain to us how we have arrived at what appears to be a lasting, uh, lasting peace between the Sunni Arab world and the Jewish world, despite what has just happened on October the 7th. So I believe the determination of leaderships led to this kind of peace. I believe deep down all Arab leaders, especially in the Gulf states, they realize that Israel is part of the region. I always say that Israel was not created in 1948. That's a very false statement. Israel was reborn in 1948. Israel was uh, was created when Joshua bin Nun entered the land of Canaan and established the first uh, existence of the Jewish people there. And now Israel is reborn. Israel is uh, part of the region. And its integration in the region is uh, is very important. And everyone is looking to these facts uh, differently, I believe. So this is why you have the Abraham Accords. The Abraham Accords aim to, it was named after our forefather Abraham, to um, to allow the children of Abraham, Ishmael and Isaac, to prosper, thrive, and succeed together in building the Middle East and making it a new Europe. Um, of course, what happened on October 7th was a drawback, I would say. It was a setback. But it's uh, it's not going to last for long. The leaders know very well that there is no other way but peace to prevail in the region. And I, and I hope and I pray that this will happen very soon, inshallah, so that the prophecy of Isaiah come true when he said, nation shall not lift up sword against nation, they shall learn war no more. The future of this region, Johnny, is for Arabs and Israelis, Muslims and Jews to live, prosper, thrive together. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Some of the most sacred words ever said <laughs> on this network, on Talk TV. It comes from Lo'e al-Sharif, and we're talking about millions of people engaged, but let's take it in to one person, Lo'e, because your story is actually the journey mm. of the Arab people to this place, because you were born and grew up in Saudi Arabia. Right. You are now, as an adult, mm. living, thriving, and working in an open and tolerant kingdom in the UAE. And your life, in terms of tolerance, didn't start like that because you were denied an open education in the time and place you grew up. Isn't that right? So the, the thing is that I, I want to say that um, things in Saudi Arabia now are way improving. I believe that the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia is doing a great, tremendous job in terms of uh, turning the country, opening up the country. But I remember that uh, the education that I had when I was a kid is different from the education that is going on right now. And uh, I believe I had a very nice transformation in terms of thoughts, in terms of, um, of, how, I, of how, I, how, how I perceived Jews and Christians when I was young to uh, the real transformative uh, stop in my life in 2010 when I lived with a Jewish family in Paris where, where I, I got a great exposure to Judaism and to Hebrew from the source, not from the, not from the adversaries of right. Jews. I remember Johnny, one of the books that really influenced my life when I was a kid, it was the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. Oh, that wicked book. You know, that, you know the story of that book, how it started in Russia? Yes. It was a very, how to say this, anti-Semitic book. Yeah. But I remember that my copy that I had uh, said in the first, on, I'm sorry, said on the first few pages that this is the book that the Jews don't want you to read. <laughs> yeah. 
So imagine. Don't read it, folks. But imagine not only not only education, Johnny, but also the media played a very big role in the Arab world mm -hmm. to demonize mm -hmm. Jews. Mm -hmm. And uh, and you were told as a child, don't be friends with Christians and don't be friends with Jews, especially Jews. Especially Jews. Why, why are we friends now, Johnny? <laughs> we are friends because we are friends and we're dear friends. And I, I, it's, it's a real, it's a real um, privilege to spend hours with you. I've spent hours with you. Thank you so much. And experienced really unique things. And like, like we've hit the ground running. You know, we've, you, you showed me the, I think, the most breathtaking building I think I've ever seen in my life. And I've been to the library in Birmingham... Um, I saw the Sheikh Zayed Grand Mosque. Oh, which, we, we call it Beit HaMikdash Shilanu, our Beit HaMikdash. Right, which is yeah. a Hebrew word, which is saying a, a holy site, our holy, holy site. site. Our holy site. Uh, but if I can describe this building, apart from it being ornate and full of Islamic texts, the 99 ways of describing Allah in, in Arabic, of, of Allah, right, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and the most, I mean, there aren't enough pixels in your eyes to describe the beauty, but that's superficial. What's going on underneath it is it is effectively the foundation zone, the, the foundation stone, I should say, of, of how the Emirates sees itself. Because again, a bit like Israel, it's a young country, but it's built on, on 1400 years of Islamic Sunni tradition. Have Heritage. I got that right? You got that right. And and let me tell you one thing, Johnny, and let me tell the audience that the UAE honestly presents a model for yes. all Arab and Muslim countries to follow, a successful model, a model of Islam that is moderate, a model of Islam that is thriving, a moderate of Islam that uh, expunges hate, uh, a moderate of Islam that refuses extremism, all forms of extremism. In the UAE, there's a great freedom of worship. In the UAE, there are synagogues, churches. By the way, churches, not only for Catholics or for all the sects of the Christian faith. I've seen, I've seen many churches in Dubai. And there's a Hindu temple that was inaugurated two weeks ago, a Hindu right. temple in Abu Dhabi. So, so even Rishi Sunak can go and pray. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, and the UAE is presenting an example of a reform that I call a silent reform. Yes. A reform that is not up to the face of people and saying we need to reform Islam and this and that. No, it's presenting an example for people to follow. The UAE is saying this is our example. This is how we see things go. This is the tolerance that we believe in. We're not proselytizing you. We're not imposing these kind of ideas. Um, or, or forcing them to be believed by you. We don't want to change your convictions, but this is the Islam, the moderate Islam that we see, and this is the model that we believe in. And people will follow suit, whether they like it, because they see a very successful, I say it proudly, a, a very successful uh, example by the UAE that was made by Sheikh Zayed, may his memory be a blessing, and now the, uh, our president, Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed, a successful, moderate a successful model for people to follow. This is why you see also the UE stands against extremists, by the way, Johnny, like the Muslim Brotherhood, like yes. the radical Islamists. They have no place in the UE. And this is the model that it, in a way, proselytizes, even though it doesn't proselytize it uh, by the word. Yes. Now, I know you're watching or listening to this, and we in a democracy are trained to question we are trained perhaps to be over cynical but i want you to carefully listen to the words of law a 
and my own personal experience where you go to a country which has adopted tolerance like this and an attempt, we're not there yet, an attempt at unity. And I am sitting in an internationally translated event in classical Arabic from the Minister of Tolerance. <laughs> mm -hmm. right? And I've got my headphones on and it feels a bit like the United Nations. And I'm listening to this and it's the words that you just never hear here. And we were all media people. It was the Global Media Summit in 2022. Global Media Congress. Which we met together. Yes. And so the Minister for Tolerance, who I think is also a Bin Zayed member of the family. Yes, true. He is saying, hey, you journalists, don't be so cynical. Go out there and look at the world from a position of tolerance and unity and try and build it. And so I thought, right, I'm going to tweet this. I've never heard a politician in public life talk in such an openly and expressive way because they're always on the back foot. I didn't get much back. I got, you know, oh, right, okay, fair enough. This is what's going on. There is an opportunity. There is goodwill opportunity to reframe the debate there, there really is. This sounds like this sounds crazy. And this is the sort of debate that doesn't go on on this station because we live in a democracy with in the middle of a culture war in the West. But but these things are happening around the world and they are challenging a consensus in the UAE. Yes, true. And actually, to be very honest, you're speaking about the Ministry of Tolerance or the Minister of Tolerance. There was no Ministry of Tolerance in the UAE 10 years ago. <laughs> what was it? The Ministry of Intolerance? No, it was not. <laughs> there, the was, there was nothing there. There was nothing. There was nothing. There were, I mean, like the UAE is an example of how a nation can build up and improve over the times. And by the way, since we're speaking about improvement, like two days ago, the UAE was removed from a gray list of, uh, of fat. This the uh, the money laundry and counter uh, terrorism. Right. So the UAE is telling the world we are a young nation that is improving with time, that is taking criticism and building action mm -hmm. plans to debunk and refute the claims against it. Uh, the UE was always tolerant. I would, I, would, I would have to say this because this is the truth, but it's improving more yes. its tolerance towards other faiths and other religions. And this is why the Ministry of Tolerance was there. There was nothing called Ministry of Tolerance. No. There is no Ministry of Tolerance in uh, uh, other countries. There's Arab not one countries. here either. Yeah, so it's called a general election because this is the uh, this is the the core belief yeah, yeah. of the rulers and the, mm -hmm. the leadership of the UAE that tolerance is the way forward. Sheikh Zayed, uh, when he was asked about his opening up the country to so many religions to so many people, he said that Ard Ard Allah, Allah, the land is the land of God, and the uh, and God is the provider for all people who want to come and live yes. and prosper yes. and thrive in this country. This is the kind of leadership. Imagine Johnny. If this, if this was the leadership of those who endanger the lives of their population and people in Gaza, imagine what would Gaza be if they had a similar leadership. Yeah. I just want you to imagine. Yeah, I can imagine that. Now, let's, let's just be clear here. It's a top-down society. It is a kingdom. It is monarchy. A, 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 an Arab monarchy. Uh, it is, it's Bedouin, and the tradition is to follow the leader. Mm -hmm. So it's not multicultural in the sense that we understand it in this country. Uh, it is about the land belonging to all people, as God says. Mm -hmm. But of course, the host culture is and remains and should be 
a Sunni Arab culture. That's what we're talking here. Yes, and, and I want to say one thing. Maybe maybe uh, people would say that we don't have a democracy. I, I totally agree and yeah. I understand that. But I want to tell one thing. The democracy is a model. Maybe it's suitable for you, but it's not suitable for me. I'll tell you later. <laughs> we don't know about yeah. that. So, you know, you, I'm just saying to people who criticize and say, but you don't have democracy or free or, or freedom of, uh, how to say this, speech. Well, we, we have something called, uh, we know the red lines between tolerance and over-tolerance. I believe that we see lots of things that are happening in the UK, if you allow me to say this, Johnny. Yes because of the over-tolerance. You are here in a week where Islamists and their supporters projected onto From the, river to the, sea. the Elizabeth Tower of our lovely Queen who passed away not May so very long ago. May be a blessing, inshallah. Yeah, amen. amen. For our, we don't say that kind of stuff here because religion is kind of frozen in, in, in public discourse. But I'm glad you said that because yeah. we love our Queen. And on the Elizabeth Tower, which was named for her in her last two years, it had a call for the genocide against Jewish people from the river to the sea. Has anyone been published for that? I don't think so. No, but it's like uh, I, I really want, I really hope that the British people understand the magnitude of the slogan and what it really means. What does it mean, Louis? Uh Plus, I hope that they know where are the river and where are the seas because I've seen interviews that were very embarrassing. I, not, not, not in the UK, but worldwide. People who were chanting the slogan don't really know that it means the complete annihilation of the Jewish people and the destruction, the full destruction of Israel. It has no other meaning. This is the true meaning of from the river to the sea. But back to my point, I wanted to tell you, Johnny, that it's true there is no democracy. It's true there are so many things in the UE are different. But I want you to see what the leadership made this country into. What did they make the UAE into? So this is a very important uh, question. They made it into a paradise. They made it into a haven for 200 plus nationalities who want to live there and they don't want to leave. So this is why the people, they sincerely love the leader, Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed and his brothers. And this family that made and turned this piece of land into a paradise to every people, to, to all people and to everyone who wants to follow suit, a successful model. If you want to have a successful model to follow suit, look at the UAE. And this is not just a propaganda exercise for the UAE. It's not. It's not. It's this the truth. Is, this is where Loy al-Sharif comes from. This is why we have become friends over many years. Loe is just here for a week and he has given me so much time here and it's a privilege to have him here in the studio. We don't often have him, his ability to actually physically be here. We can't transmute him here. But the calls are open. I want you to challenge Loe Al-Sharif on the phones now, 0344-499-1000. Text at 87222. You know to tweet us as well uh, at uh, Talk TV and at Johnny Gould and look up Loe Al-Sharif on X and you'll see that he's got nearly 200,000 followers as well. And we'll be back with more discussion on peace between Arab and Jew, between uh, the UAE and Bahrain, Morocco and Israel right after this. <laughs> 03444991000, your opportunity to talk to Emirati peace activist uh, Loe al-Sharif. And while so many people in the West and the East have run for cover after October the 7th, that date being the 
day which in Israel they're calling Black Sabbath, uh, the day where 3,000 Hamas terrorists burst through a security wall, hand-glided into sovereign Israel and rampaged through a peace music festival, slaying hundreds of young people. And that wasn't enough. They then went into Sterot, the biggest town in the south of Israel, and shot at people, RPG'd moving vehicles, um, let themselves into flats and murdered people inside their homes, went to a smaller town called Ofakim and slayed people, to Kibbutz Be'eri and Kibbutz Nahal Oz, small agricultural communities in the Gaza envelope. By the way, that name is uh, a part of Israel, uh, the Gaza envelope. It's the area just around where, where Gaza is. And murdered 1,200 people. We're still not even sure of the exact number. It's believed to be... 1120 and we still have I think 134 hostages incarcerated in Gaza and they are remembered at all times and while we remember while we remember the hostages Loe, it's also important to remember the IDF soldiers because they're not the same as for example British soldiers who enlist to fight there are 300,000 reservists so yesterday, these guys who were dressed up in green uniforms, they were pizza delivery guys, or they were computer operators. These guys are civilians, and they are called up to fight. You know, they aren't, they aren't all elite guys, and their people are losing their lives just like the hostages are. I think that's a really important thing to say, that the sympathy shouldn't just be with the Palestinian people as well, the victims who are in Rafa, who are in and around the cities, who are... Um, victims to Hamas's terrorism, to the hostages, but also, I believe, to the IDF soldiers as well. I believe, really, Johnny, that this war, this ugly war, has to end the right way. This ugly war has to end. Uh, has to has to end in a way that uh, that would lead to um, uh, that that would lead to uh, not repeating October seven. This war can end today, by the way. This ugly war can end not today, not this hour, not this moment. Now. Now. How? If Hamas lays down its arms, release all the hostages. This is the only way for this war to end. And I believe that uh, if a leadership cares about its people, if a leadership cares about the future of the Palestinians, they wouldn't have wrapped the entire Gaza Strip with explosive belt and did what they did on October 7th. Because what they did was suicide, a suicide operation, really. It was a suicide mission for the Palestinian hopes of, of, of statehood, despite what Lord Cameron seems to be saying, uh, attempting to reward um, um, uh, terrorism, reward terrorism and create a Palestinian state for what is called a two-state solution. People don't really know what that is. You can't define it any longer. There is breaking news the world is uh, viewing Paris today because this from Israeli media, there has been, quotes, significant progress in hostage talks in Paris that this would allow for a temporary ceasefire. Israel has destroyed 18 of Hamas's 24 battalions and the last stand, from what we understand, is in Rafah, which is near the Egyptian border. 
but it's believed that there is an American-sponsored initiative which is reaching with the Qataris significant progress in hostage talks in Paris. Negotiators have been ramping up efforts to secure that ceasefire in Gaza in the hope of heading off an Israeli assault on Rafah, where more than one million displaced people are sheltering. That's the very latest news. We'll keep you up to date with events out of Paris. But right now, let's go to a caller. And Janice from Essex is here. Janice, you want to talk to Al Sharif? Hello, Janice. Hiya. Oh, thank you for taking my call. Um, I don't... What I don't understand right now is that we had Lord Cameron say we could take some injured children in this country. Now, where are all the Arab nations that have got shitloads of money that can take the children, can take the pregnant women? Why won't they do it? The U- uh, thank you so much. Uh, the UAE has, ta- has taken uh, um, 1,000 Palestinian uh, uh, children from Gaza and it's taking another 1,000 with even uh, with severe injuries like and those who have cancers. And the UAE built uh, a field hospital inside Gaza and it will take more ch- children, Palestinian, and, and, um, and um, uh, treat them in its own hospitals. And, uh, the, what hospitals? I'm sorry? What hospitals? What hospitals? Gaza's hospitals have gone. No, not Gaza hospitals. No, about field you, hospitals. Where are you taking them to? Yeah, they are taking them to the UAE, and the UAE has its own hospitals, very advanced hospitals. These children yes, are taken to course. the UAE. You would have. Of course. Coming to you for treatment. <laughs> by the way, the, the by the way, I want to say one thing. The the UAE really. I'm not. I'm not the. I'm not the official spokesman of the UAE government, but I'm just saying that I know very well that the UAE. As, uh, as much as it stands with the Abraham Accords and it believes that it's the Abraham Accords is a strategic uh, decision like Anwar Gargash, the, uh, uh, the consultant to the, the president said, uh, but also the, the UE cares a lot about the Palestinian people and the Palestinian brothers. And it believes that this, uh, this war was an unjust and unnecessary war that the, the Palestinian people are paying the price for. So the UAE is taking uh, thousands of, of, of innocent um, uh, children from Gaza to be treated there in hopes to, to return soon to their home. Can I ask you another question, yes, please? Um, when this is all over, well, sooner the better as far as I'm concerned, because... For all of us, absolutely. Hopefully, remind hopefully. me of Nazi Germany where people are corralled and, you know, you, well, I'm sure you must know the other side of that, but what is going to happen to the Palestinian people if they are just going to be pushed back to Gaza? They've got nothing. We've got to get rid of Hamas. We all know that. But it's an ideology. How are you going to kill that? You can you cannot defeat an ideology, I agree with you, but you can defeat them the way you def- we defeated ISIS. So ISIS is... is they has, haven't gone. No, but yeah, but the presence that they... But ISIS presence in 2014 was equal to the United Kingdom. Uh, the, their presence on the ground was huge, but now they're not there anymore. But their ideology yeah. is. I can tell you that for sure. I know exactly where their sources come from. So the same with Hamas. You cannot defeat the ideology, but you can defeat the presence. in Hamas knows, by the way, I, I believe so, that Hamas leadership knows that they have no future in Gaza. And yeah, but you, sorry, could I just interrupt you again, please? Yeah, sure. Could you could you tell me if once this God forbid as soon as possible is over and 
the Palestinians, which were previously called Philistines, if they go back to Gaza, they've got nothing to go back to. Who is going to pay? If we can get rid of Hamas, who is going to pay? I believe that. Can I sharpen this question up? Yeah, sure. I want to just sharpen this up because, Janice, that's a very, very important point. And the answer is the interests of the Palestinian people are served by the Gulf Arabs sponsoring not just the complete rehabilitation and repair of the uh, of Gaza uh, but also but also to create a more tolerant and this is with a small a, a Palestinian authority which can get on with Israel uh, a Palestinian authority that would get, get to Israel a, a responsible Palestinian authority that would make sure that its ruling over the Palestinian territories would not lead to the catastrophe that happened on October 7th. Janice, thank you very much. Can I just say yes, one last one question? One more thing, and then we've got please. a few other callers one in there. One last question, very quick question. Israel cannot rule Gaza. It cannot... And doesn't want to. And doesn't want to. Hold. Israel doesn't want to rule Gaza. Israel doesn't want to, to occupy Gaza. Israel unilaterally yes, it it withdrew it from Gaza in 2005. I'll tell, tell you what it wants to do. It wants to protect the civilians who want to go home to Kibbutz Be'eri, too sterile because they are all ghost towns now. It's beginning yeah. to be repopulated again. But it is very important for the Israelis to have their population go back home. Why? Two reasons. First of all, they need to grow tomatoes down there. There is a food security issue for Israel. It's a, it's, 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 yeah. it's, 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 it's a vegetable and fruit basket for the rest of the country. That's the first thing. The second oh, thing is, the second thing is, this is really, this is really, really important. The jihadists, the jihad, right? The jihadists must never dictate where Jews should be able to live within their sovereign land, and that's yeah. why Israelis, by their hundreds of thousands, need to go home. Are, are Israelis going to stop land grabbing? Um, Israel is not is, in, interested in land grabbing. Listen, Janice, thank you. They're doing it now. They're not doing it now. Listen, Janice, thank you very much. Listen, I'll tell you what. Susan <laughs> in West Sussex is on the line. Susan, welcome. Oh, good afternoon, Johnny, and good afternoon to your Arab friend. Lo'ay al-Sharif is here. Good, uh, yeah, good afternoon I'm to just, you. I'm just so pleased to hear you talk about peace. And, you know, it, it hurts me deeply that how our British Jews are treated by all these attacks on them since all these people have come over to our country on these small boats. And, it, it, you know, our British Jews feel so unsafe in this country and it saddens me deeply. But you talking about the peace, it, it sounds wonderful. It, it really does. But you would, uh, this peace with the Amrud, what was it called? The Amrud? The United Arab Emirates. <laughs> yeah, the, the United Emirates. Weren't they talking about that when, ha and that is why Hamas attacked. Israel, because I mean, did, didn't they want to destroy that? Uh, Hamas didn't want to destroy the peace between the United Arab Emirates and Israel. I believe Hamas wanted yes. to destroy the potential peace between Saudi Arabia and Israel. Yeah, that's what they wanted. They didn't want it. They wanted to destroy it, didn't they? Yeah, of course. But I agree that we have to get rid of Hamas. And I, I agree. I... I don't like all the killing that's going on, but... No one I does. Stand, no one I does. stand by Israel that they have to defend themselves. 
absolutely. It's absolutely essential as a sovereign nation when you have an attack like that. Yeah, just, you just as, I agree with you, Johnny. I, I agree I, with I, you. I want, to say, I want to say something to the caller, if you allow me, Johnny. Now we are approaching Pur, uh, Purim. Purim is a festival where the Jews are celebrating their survival from Achishvarosh. Achishvarosh was uh, a king with authority who could have stopped the problems that were happening to the Jews, but he did not intervene enough, and he let Haman and the mob, yani, uh, control what's happening. If uh, this this um, uh, this caller, the lady who is just talking, Susan, to Susan, Susan, yeah. she's 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 right about her concerns, and I say, I'm 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 not a British citizen, so I'm a guest to this country. So allow me to say this, Susan. There has to be a, some sort of. Um, uh, a good in, uh, enforcement of, of law against those who are making troubles and intimidating the Jewish people. Yeah, they, in... they have to... Uh, they're, 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 everybody has a right to live. Of course, but, but the intimidation are... against the Jewish communities, because I, ho I have lots of Jewish friends in the UK, and it's not, it's not fair to be a British citizen and to be intimidated in your own country. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, because of your it's, faith. Yeah, it, it's, you know, we, we all live together, and, you know, and this, never, this was never like this, only when all these people come over on the boats, and it's changed our country, and I, I don't like it. But if, talking of peace, it sounds so wonderful. Well, you know, this is what we have to strive for, Susan, and this is why uh, Lo'e has become such a, a friend, uh, not just yeah, to the Jewish people, but to me Johnny, personally. And um, when I found out Lo'e was coming here, mm -hmm. um, well, I had to book quite a lot of time. He's got a few friends here, that's for sure. Yeah. And uh, had to find had to find time with Lo'e, and he's been extremely generous with his time. And it's it's a real. It would his, be nice if he could all get together with some Jews as well. He, well, listen, he's spent a lot of time with Jewish people. I hope you haven't been upset by uh, <laughs> spending so much time with. Uh, with <laughs> I hope you've not been put off. Uh, I, I'm I'm so happy to be friends with uh, with lots of Jewish uh, communities here in in the UK. But, um, does your friend, because he's friends with Jews, does he get attacked by anybody in this country? Good, good question. So, uh, so far, so far, not yet. I hope not. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I receive I know, lots of intimidation, Susan. Yeah, but, yeah, the, but, but that, that shouldn't be. But it's wonderful, Johnny. But, wonderful. but that doesn't... Wonderful that, show, Johnny. Thank you. Well, thank you, please, Susan. That will not stop you. us from spreading the message of, of, of no, hope. No, keep it going. We've got to stand up to these... Islamic people, we've got to stand with radical Islam. I would say, I would say, Susan. Yeah, because of course, Loe is Islamic himself. We I'm Muslim. To, we I'm Muslim. To, I'm Muslim. Muslim. We, I'm have Muslim. To, we have to say <laughs> radical Islamists. I would say. Yeah. yeah. Radical. yeah. Um, Loe is radical, but in a completely opposite sense of the word, radical in terms of of peace. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm not radical to, at all, Johnny. You know what the opposite? Well, I know radical, the radical in the completely good, good the sense. truest, the truest <laughs> sense of the word in in in, in messages of peace. Um, right, we're just going to uh, discuss here. Thank you very much for that, Susan. Thank you, Susan. Um, London Mayor Sadiq Khan has responded to Lee Anderson's comments, the former uh, deputy chairman of the Conservative Party, that comments that Islamists have got control of London and that the mayor had given the capital city away to quote his mates. Let's just have a listen to this. Comments, comments from a senior Conservative are Islamophobic are anti-Muslim and are racist. We've seen over the last uh, two days uh, confirmation that over the last few months there's been an increase 
in anti-Muslim cases by more than 330%. Uh, these comments uh, pour fuel on the fire of anti-Muslim uh, hatred. And I'm afraid the deafening silence from Rishi Sunak and from the cabinet is uh, them condoning uh, this uh, racism. And I'm afraid it confirms to many people across the country uh, that there's a hierarchy when it comes to racism. Well, I regret the idea that there's a hierarchy of racism, which is one of the problems that we seem to have on the left, where some racisms are treated more um, seriously than others and other forms of racism like anti-Semitism are reduced in power. And I think uh, I want to quote Dr. Rakib Essan on this project, which is that when Lee Anderson and people like Suella Braverman make comments like London is become an Islamist centre, these are unserious comments about a very serious issue because, as Dr. Essan says, there are pockets of um, Islamic bullying, is Islamist bullying within the country. But to suggest that an entire city is a caliphate or, um, or, or that they've got control of London is not a serious way of tackling what is a real problem, Loe. Yes, I, um, I I totally agree, and this is a there has to be a distinct um, a distinction between radical Islamists and normal Muslims or uh, moderate Muslims. And I would add the third group, to be very honest, Johnny. I always say there are there are two groups: radical Islamists and moderate Muslims. We have to add a third group: brave moderate Muslims who speak up and who speak out against the atrocities that are made in their names. If you are just moderate Muslim who do not speak up against the atrocities that are made in the name of your faith, then you are really useless. You have to speak up. And this is why we chose to speak up from day one when Hamas did the atrocities that they did on October 7th, killing 1,200 innocent Israelis, mostly Jews, abducting Kfir and Aryeh and young uh, babies and women and children uh, dancing and celebrating in the Supernova Music Festival. I lost a friend at the Supernova did Music Festival. Yeah, of course. May her memory be a blessing. And we have also a friend of our great, um, great friend and rabbi, Hanan Miller. His friend is Hirsch. Hirsch is is also still hostage in Gaza. Uh, one of the videos that appeared, he lost his part of his hand, and uh, we pray that uh, for his release and for the release of the rest of the hostages. And no one is happy about what's happening in Gaza. The the innocent Palestinians who are suffering. It's because of Hamas for sure. But no one is happy about prolonging this war. No, no one wants to prolong this end. war. No one wants to prolong this war. We talk about brave Muslims, and there's no one braver and dearer as a friend than the man here with me in the studio, Loe Al Sharif. It's been an absolute privilege. Thank you so to much. To have Johnny. you here in London and to have you here in the studio with me on this on this show. You've made this show blessed, <laughs> and may this uh, continue uh, long after. Uh, this show comes to an end. Al Sharif, thank you very much indeed for joining me here. Thank you so much, and, and I'll be coming to the UK a lot, inshallah. May God bless this country and its leadership. Amen. Thank you very much. Al Sharif.